We're in a series we're wrapping up today called Through Us. Um, it's been, been a lot of fun. Um, the idea is we want to challenge the status quo of living, the, the status quo of being a church, and the status quo of even following Christ. There's a lot of people that make that initial step to follow Christ, and, and they pray a prayer. You know, they want salvation. They want eternal life. They want, they want heaven, uh, but that's as far as they go. Well, we, don't want to, we want to challenge everybody. That's status quo. We want to go beyond that, where God has more for us. And he doesn't want us to live average, but to move on. As Americans, it's very easy to get caught up in the average of what everybody else does. You know, we talked about how, we, how people handle finances in America, how people uh, handle their health and, and food and all those kind of habits. And so we said we want to be kind of people that aren't average, but that challenge that. And so um, we want to try to wrap this up today. And we, we, we took a scripture out of Genesis 12 where this man, Abraham, um, is, is God asked him to, to go on this journey and to become this representative of him. And he says, I'm going to bless you. And, and you're going to be a blessing. Essentially, he says, because I bless you and you bless others, everybody in this world is going to be blessed through you, through your descendants. And so um, we said that God is still looking for Abrahams in our day and age. Today, he's looking for people that will step out in faith to leave the land of mediocre, the land of average, the land of status quo, and begin to go into this land of adventure, this land of, um, of excellence, this land of just following his lead. And so some of the ways we talked about this was having margin in your life. We said being generous is a choice, all right? You have to be inten- it's an intentional choice that you have to make to not make life just about you, to make it to become selfish. Being generous means you intentionally say, I'm going to give of my time, my, my talents, my resources so that I can help others um, just have a great life and experience this, to be a blessing to be used through. We said that it takes action. Once you begin to make these plans like being generous, now you have to put action behind it, put um, Put feet to it. Begin to work your plan that you make. And so it was what to do and then action. And then we talked about fasting. Uh, another part of we say if you want to become the kind of person God wants you to, you have to learn to disconnect. We said that fasting disconnects us from things that keep our focus um, on the things that make it all about us, all about me. So um, I love to eat. And, and when I fast food, essentially I'm telling my, my flesh and my body, no, you're not, you're not the center of everything. You're not the most important and we give opportunity for God to, to, to speak and work in that. And so when we fast, then we have to add prayer to that. And we talked about prayer, how prayer connects us to God. And that prayer helps us to focus and do the right things that God asks us to do because it's about relationship. Um, and so um, each week has really been about, all right, here's something to do, and then let's put some action behind it. This is what God is asking us, so let's put some feet to it by taking the next step in his direction. All right, so today I want to talk about being intentional. Um, if we're going to be the kind of person that, that, that God works through, uh, if we're going, to, we're going to have to be very intentional about life and make it, make it count. Uh, so I have a question for you. What are you planning to accomplish in 2015? <clears throat> what are you planning 2015 to look like? If you don't have a plan, it'll just become like every other year that you didn't have a plan. It'll just happen. Uh, we talked about budgets. When, when, uh, if you don't tell your money where to go, it just disappears. It goes away. Well, time is the same way. If you don't budget and don't make a plan for your time, it just goes away. It just disappears. So what, what are you going to do with your time in 2015? See, God is asking us to, to follow his lead, to, to, to walk with him, to, to move in those, in those steps, um, to be with him. So talk about, being, about creating margin and being intentional. Make sure I don't miss this next part. I missed a really important last week, point last week, and I do not want to miss it today. So um, I heard a story about a man in the UK that got in this car accident, and it was in 1986. Um, for 23 years, they thought this man was in a coma, where in fact, he just had a brain injury. This man, um, he, 23, so 86, he was, he was diagnosed coma, 
um, and thought he was going to just be like that in a vegetable state for the rest of his life. In fact, he just had a brain injury. So 23 years later, some doctor decides to do some kind of brain scan on him and realizes there's a lot of activity there, and it's not a coma, but it must be something else. And they begin asking questions and figure out he could communicate through a computer. And um, this is what the man, the man said. He said, um, he said, I screamed, but there was nothing to hear. Like in his mind, he was screaming, but nothing would come out. Nothing would, nobody heard him screaming the whole time. Maybe not the whole 23 years, but for, for the beginning part where he was trying to let him know he was still alive, he, still, he could still process. For 23 years, so he, he woke up in 2009. At that point, he was already 46. So can you imagine for 23 years of, your, 23 years of your life, half of your life, um, you were just in a state of, of kind of just nothingness almost. It, it just, he said, this is what he said. So um, I screamed, but there was nothing to hear. He says, I dreamed myself away. He would just dream. That's all he could do is just dream, dreamed himself away. He says, all that time, I just literally dreamed of a better life. Frustration is too small a word to describe what I felt. Can you imagine as he's typing these things out with his family's feeling like, oh man, for 23 years, he's been wanting to communicate, wanting to be you know, engaged still. And he just felt frustrated. Well, when they did this brain scan and figured it out, he said, I shall never forget the day when they discovered what was truly wrong with me. It was my second birth. When I was reading this story, there's a lot of comparisons here to what God calls us into relationship with him. So this idea that when we, when we start a relationship with him, we have this, this second birth, we have this new start. Okay, we, we can start over. I feel bad this, guy, this took place, and I'm not trying to diminish what, his story, but I'm trying to say in our lives, it's possible that we can, we can be in a state of nothingness, a state of just going through the motions, a state of really just letting life pass us by. Well, we're not really accomplishing a whole lot. We're just kind of spinning our wheels, not getting really much traction. You know, it's, it's um, this idea of disorientation. When, when you're disoriented, you really don't know uh, what's going on around you. And there's a lot of things that can make you disoriented. Even stress sometimes can make you disoriented. You, don't really, you can't grasp what's really taking place. I've heard of, of pilots. Okay? There's a lot of stories of, of these guys flying into these storms. And in the middle of the storm, uh, because of the clouds, they really don't know what's up and what's down. And, and they, they begin to trust their own instincts and, and, they, and what they feel. And a lot of times they'll actually start flying upside down towards the ground. Or they'll start going down towards the ground because they think, they think that um, up is up and down is down. You know, they, they get them confused and, um, because they get disoriented. And a lot of them will actually crash planes. And that's why they say in airplanes you, you have to trust those instruments. You know, they'll knock and these have to be broken. I, I know I'm flying, da- flying up. And in fact, they're actually flying down. And the plane's, you know, telling them, no, you're going down. And they ignore them and they, to their own peril. Um, I've heard of, of accidents, car accidents, of people driving the wrong way, just kind of forgetting where they're at, going down the wrong way, getting in car accidents, and, and, and you know, hurting a lot of people. So there's all these different things, areas in our lives where we can become disoriented. If you missed the point of this series or even the message today, um, it's possible that you can wake up 23 years from now and not have accomplished a whole lot within those 23 years. Um, if you miss the point of today, you can be flying upside down, going into, into a, a, a crash, and you don't even realize it's coming, or flying into the ground that, that you don't even see it's coming. If you miss the point and the idea of what we're talking about here, it's possible that you'll wake up and you'll realize, what did I do with these last few years? Because when, the truth is, when we make it all about us, our story and, and us as a, as a single person is not big enough to live in the largest story that God is calling us to. 
When we live with the selfish nature of it's all about me, what we find is that life is too small to live that way. We really didn't accomplish anything. Yeah, we might have a lot of fun along the way, but when it's all said and done, there's emptiness that comes with that. Because we were never made, made to, we were never created just to get as most out of it just for us. We were made to live and to help others and to, and to be a representative of God, to move with Him, to be with Him. So, when it comes to mental health, they, they have this, uh, the simple, it's the simplest mental health, mental health assessment you can take. All right, so if they want to know um, if somebody is, is, is healthy mentally, they, they, ask, they, they want to know three things. Do they, does this person know who they are? All right. Uh, do this person know where they're at? Like, where are you today? And do they know what day it is? And obviously, if they think they're like Caesar Augustus, then there's a problem there, right? <laughs> like, all right, this guy's not mentally healthy. Or if they think they're the, the, the Messiah, they're like, all right, this guy definitely is not healthy. He's kind of crazy, all right? Or if you ask them where they, where they are, if you go back to those, those three for me, sorry. Um, if they don't know where they are, they're, they're disoriented, something might happen. Maybe a brain injury, maybe a lot of stress. They become disoriented. They don't know where they're at. Like, oh, I'm in Albuquerque. No, this is Santa Fe. You're in C- Theater 14 of the Regal Theater. No, no, really, I'm in outer space. We know that they're not... They're not sound uh, mentally. They're not. They're not there. So, um, then the third one is is what day it is. Do you know where you are in, in time? So I believe um, we can do. There's a simple spiritual health assessment that we can also do. Um, it's a, almost the same three things, but we can break it down just to two questions. All right. Would you read these questions with me? Who are you, and what are you doing here? All right. Let read it with me. Here you go. Ready? One, two, three. Who are you and what are you doing here? So the three things are still there. Who are you? And then what are you doing? Okay. And where are you at here? So we're, those, we're, we're still asking those three things, but it's a simple uh, spiritual health. If, if you, when you answer these, they'll give you a gauge of how healthy you are when it comes to your, your spiritual life and following Christ. So some people, they become, you can, it's easy to become disoriented when it comes to your spiritual part, aspect of your life. Or uh, some people are just unoriented. They really don't know what their life really revolves around. They didn't really, does, some people never maybe experienced God's grace yet. Maybe you're here today and you're new to church and you've, you never really heard this, the story of, of, of God sending his son out of love to die on a cross so that we can have relationships, so we can be forgiven, so that he can make it uh, right for us again. Well, if you have, don't have that kind of orientation, you, you wouldn't really know. And so as we go through, the, through these stories, we're trying to help, help you gain that, 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 um, reality and the understanding that God has good plans for our life and he wants to do something with us. So I'm going to tell you a story. Uh, there's a story of a, of a rabbi. So Jesus was a rabbi and a rabbi was just a Jewish teacher that had, had people he, that followed and they taught teachings. And, and, the, and the, the rabbi would have these disciples, they were called disciples, students who wanted to become like the rabbi. So essentially they were studying the rabbi, learning from the rabbi so that they could eventually go off and also become a teacher or a rabbi to help other disciples and other students. So they would carry these, these teachings on from generation to generation. Well, there's a story of this one rabbi who's walking home one day from, from his journeys. Okay? And as he's walking home, he's kind of in, engaged in prayer. He's, he's talking to God. Uh, in the Jewish, um, in, in their kind of way they do it, he probably would be lifting his hands as he's praying and, and walking. Probably his eyes open, probably weren't closed. Good thing, right? You close your eyes, you're walking, you could fall. You prayed. If you're driving, you're praying, you're driving, don't close your eyes. All right? Not a good thing. So he's walking home, and as he's, as he's walking there, he comes to his fork in the road. He's really engaged, maybe a little disoriented, doesn't really not pay attention, and he takes the wrong path. As he keeps walking, it's starting to get dark. And he comes to this big wooden fence, and he's like, huh, this is not 
the way to my house? Interesting. And as he's thinking, like, where did I take the, what, where did I go wrong here? Where did I take the wrong step? What did I miss? As he's asking these questions, um, a voice from above calls out, who are you? And what are you doing here? And the rabbi thinks, wow, that's a really good question. And so he's thinking about it. So the rabbis, Jewish teachers, the way they dialogue, they like to ask questions with a question. They answer a question with a question. So we see Jesus and, and some of the people, they'll, they'll ask him a question and he'll respond with a question. And, and, and the, the game is kind of like this. You ask me a question, I ask you a question back that's really my answer. And then you ask another question with your answer. And the game kind of dies as soon as somebody stops asking a question. It's kind of a cool thing that these rabbis had. They were just really intelligent, really smart. And so he thinks, well, I should ask him a question. That's a great question. I'm going to ask him a question. And so the, the, the guy getting frustrated, like, why is this guy not answering me? So the voice from above come, comes again. Who are you and what are you doing here? And the rabbi says, I got it. How much do they pay you to ask that question? The Roman centurion above from the gate, he says, two denarii a week, Jew. Why? And the rabbi, he asks another question, so the dialogue keeps going, right? So the rabbi says, I will pay you twice as much if you'll come to my house every day and ask me these two questions. Who are you? And what are you doing here? In this story, the rabbi understood the importance of orientation, the importance of focus, the importance of making your life count. He understood that it's easy to go day by day and forget who we are and what we're doing here. It's easy. It happens to me all the time because all of a sudden I'll be home doing something and my kids ask me to do something and I'm like, I don't want to go draw on color right now. I'm working. Can't you see this is important and I'm the most important person in the house? Well, I forget who I am, right? That's not, that's not healthy. It's, it's, it's about me saying it's all about me. And yeah, there's times they can't, they can't interrupt and I have to be focused, but there are also times that maybe I'm not really doing anything important and I need to stop and say, you know what? Who are you, Eric? Well, I'm a father of kids who need attention. Because if I give them attention, they're going to be healthier in life. You know, Dad, I need help with a math question. Go away. It's not healthy. So there's times I forget who I am and what I'm doing here. I know there's times you forget it. And so the rabbi says, come and ask me these questions every morning. I'll pay you double. I don't know if the Roman satire is just a story. In my mind, I'm playing it out. You know, I wonder if you went to his house and got a lot of money. But can you imagine if somebody asked you that question every day? Who are you? What are you doing here? How much more productive would you be in work, in, in, in your walk with God, as a parent, as a spouse, as, as, as a friend? What I mean by that is it's so, um, so often we forget and we miss opportunities that really can make an impact in our, in our families, in our, in our workplaces, because we're, we're focused on the wrong things. We forget who we are and what we're doing here. See, for me, um, I'm, I'm a few different things, all right? So you ask me, are you a father? Are you a husband? Are you, um, are you a... a, a um, a follower of Christ, what are you? Well, I'm all those things at different times, in different ways. So who am I? Well, I'm, I'm a child of God, which means I believe that God created everything and that I'm following his ways and his path and I, and I want to be like him, so I'm a Christian. Who are you, Eric? I'm a Christian. When I have that orientation, all of a sudden, all of these things and decisions for me are already made because I know what Christ does, so then I need to respond the same way. If my life is oriented around Christ and I know that I'm a Christian and I'm walking in that, I will make the same choices he makes and take the same steps he takes. When I forget that I'm a Christian and I'm really just this selfish um, human that's all about me, well, then driving down the road, I'm flipping off people and I'm cutting off people and I'm really upset. Why? Well, I'm in a hurry and I'm the most important person on this road. Right? When it becomes all about us, we forget really who we are 
and we make it about something else. It's, it's an unhealthy um, disorientation where we're not centered on who God wants us to be. Who are you and what are you doing here? So if I'm a Christian and where am I? Well, I'm on earth and the Bible says this is just a temporary time frame and it's really short. You know, we think like 70 years for us sometimes it seems really long, but it's really short. You know, time's kind of funny. When you're, when you're young, it seems to go really slow. And then as you get older, it seems to go really fast. Well, that's because your time is getting shorter. And when you're young, your time, you have a lot of time still. So it's kind of funny that way because um, it's, it almost feels like it speeds up. Well, if we're not intentional and we forget who we are and what we're doing here, we miss opportunities to do uh, the kind of things God's asking us to. Throughout Scripture, um, God um, used, used people who, who wanted to be oriented around him in his ways. And God blessed them and he helped them. See, we, we, um, there, Jesus said that we have an enemy. And this enemy wants to steal, he wants to kill, and he wants to destroy. That is his objective in your life, to steal, to kill, and destroy. See, God, he gives, Satan takes. God, he loves, Satan, he hates. God is peace, Satan is the original terrorist. God wants the best for us, Satan wants the worst for you. Our enemy is clever, he's crafty, and here's the other thing you have to know about him, he's patient. He doesn't always just attack at every opportunity, he waits. He waits and he waits and he waits for the right moment. And in our moment of weakness, he tries to come in. But the, but the enemy says, well, in our moment of, I mean, the Bible says in our moment of weakness, if we're oriented around God, he can actually be made strong in that moment. And he can be glorified and, made, and, and help us out. So the enemy, um, he attacks. His attacks are not always easily recognizable. They're usually really subtle. We don't even know they're happening. They're just behind the scenes. They're kind of under the surface. They're just slowly happening. He wants to mess us up. So I don't know if you've ever, have you ever heard that you can um, cook a frog alive? Like you can boil them alive? You ever heard that? Um, you, you can take a frog and you can, you can place him in, in water that's um, kind of comfortable, you know, kind of cool, kind of just a um, little warm. And he won't jump out or the, the frog won't jump out. And then you turn the heat up and because his, the frog's senses aren't like ours, this doesn't recognize it initially right away. Um, how God made them is pretty cool. Um, not if they were going to boil alive. That's not really cool. So if you put them in a hot boiling pot, yeah, like this is really cool. You're going to die. If you put them in a hot pot, they'll jump out. But if you put them in a, in a comfortable pot, uh, water, they'll sit there and they'll wait. And they don't really sense the water changing. And by the time they realize it, it's too late. They're dead. Well, I guess they don't realize it. They're just dead. <laughs> it's like that up movie, The Dog. Anyways, so... Um, you're dead. Uh, so they're dead. Well, the enemy's strategy is the same way. He allows us to get comfortable, to think everything is going all right, everything is going good. But while we're comfortable and we're taking it easy, under the, believe, believe, uh, beneath the surface, he's boiling the water. He's turning up the heat. And if we're not oriented around God, we won't even realize it. And before we know it, we're also in a lot of heat and a lot of trouble. And even many times it brings death. Physically, emotionally, spiritually, relationally, it brings death. Because when the, when the enemy has his way in our life and he, help, and he makes us oriented around other things that are selfish, he wins. Because we were never made to be just about, about me. So the people that God used the most throughout the Bible, I believe were the ones, the ones that had the biggest impact were the ones that were the most intentional. Like they understood, I have a short period of time here. Um, in fact, throughout scriptures over and over, there's one of the writers in Proverbs, he says, our, our life is but a breath. 
He says, learn to number your days because they're really short. How do you know this? Because as he got older, time sped up and he realized, wow, my time's almost up. And the wise man said, hey, number your days. Understand that you only have a while. You only have a short time with your kids. You only have a short time to impact people around you. You only have a short time. So the people he used were the ones that said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow you. I'm available. See, the people God used, they weren't perfect. By far, they were not perfect. In fact, they weren't perfect before he used them. And a lot of times they weren't perfect even when in the middle of when he was using them. But they were available. And being available and, and, and making a decision to follow him is, is almost more important than having to, to do everything perfect and right. And so he invites us to do that also. He invites us to follow his lead. Last week, I, I missed a statement that was really important that I'm going to cover today. Um, next one. Your thoughts about God will be the most important thoughts you'll ever have in life. Here's what I mean by that. How you, um, what you think about God is going to impact everything you do in life. If you don't think God is a loving God, you're never going to live a loving life. If you don't think God is, has grace for you, you're never going to have grace for other people. If you think God is far away, separated, isolated, not even caring about us, you're, you're going to have a hard time filling his love and understanding. I said the, one of the reasons we have a hard time with, with our uh, a view of God is because we inherit it from our parents, mainly our fathers, okay, and, and from authority figures. And so when we don't have good examples in our life, we tend to, to, to put that on God and saying, well, my dad wasn't good, so you must not be a good person. These leaders in my life took advantage of me, so this must be representative. Why? Because humans are um, a representation of God. We are, um, we are his image bearers. And so when our parents maybe aren't the best represent, repre- representations of God to us, we think God's not good. Adam and Eve were made in the image of God. So we're God's image bearers. So we impact people's view of God all the time. So I'm hoping as you come to the grove, you're going to be able to realize that God is really a good God. And your thoughts have to begin to change. If you're going to pray, this is why it was important last week, because when we pray to connect with God, if we don't think he's listening, we will pray like he's not listening. But if we believe he's going to answer our prayers, we begin to pray like he's going to answer our prayers. If we believe he's a God of miracles, then when we pray, we believe there are miracles taking place and happening. So what we think about God is probably the most important thoughts you'll ever have in life. So um, we can become disoriented, we can lose track of time, and we can learn of track of the people around us if we're not careful. This is what he, Paul says in Ephesians. He says this in Ephesians 5. He says, be careful, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, not, do, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. God is inviting us. In Ephesians 5, I would encourage you to go read the whole chapter. It starts off saying, let us be imitators of God. Like we're on this journey, but he wants us to follow his lead. So let's, let's realize that we're, we're, we're who we are. We're, we're following Christ, so I'm going to make these choices. And he says, he says, if you don't, it's going to be like this idea that you never wake up. Like you're really asleep. Right before it, it says, wake up, O sleeper. Wake up. Don't, don't, don't let life pass you by. And then he goes into this verse that says, be careful. Man, make the most of every opportunity because the days ahead are, e- the days are evil because the enemy is influencing him. He's trying to mess it up for us. And don't be foolish, but understand what God's will is. How do you understand what God's will is? Well, his, his Bible, man, he tells us all kinds of stuff, how to follow him. It's an, it's an awesome book that's just full of stories of people spread out through all, um, a lot of different generations, writing this, the same story, but at different times. 
And then God kind of puts it all together and weaves it together and there's, it, it's helping us know that he has these good plans for our lives. So my question for you is, who are you? And what are you doing here? The first one is about identity. Who exactly are you? Are Who, who exactly are you? And do you know who you are? Who, what's your identity about? God wants you to become somebody that represents him. He wants your identity to be, to be somebody who follows him. Somebody that makes choices like him. And then what are you doing here? It's all about purpose. What are the actions he's asking you to do? What is he, what is he wanting you to do? Can you go to the next slide for me? I know it's blank. I've got to find out what's next. I'm going to read a story to you and then, and then a video. Is that correct? Yeah. I'm pretty sure I created this message. So I'm pretty sure I know. <laughs> I missed last week and I don't want to miss again. This is important. I'm going to read a story to you. So um, it's, it's kind of not, it's a great story. It's called A Thousand Marbles. All right. You know, they say about losing your marbles. All right. Don't lose your marbles. In this sense, really um, understand where your marbles are going, King. A thousand marbles. This is what it says. The older I get, the more I enjoy Saturday mornings. Perhaps it's the quiet solitude that comes with being the first to rise. Or maybe it's the unbound joy of not having to be at work. We can relate. Either way, the first few hours of a Saturday morning are the most enjoyable. A few weeks ago, I was shuffling towards the garage with a steaming cup of coffee in one hand, and what began as a typical Saturday morning, it turned into one of those lessons that life seems to hand you from time to time. Let me tell you about it. I turned on the old AM band radio that was once my grandfather's and tried to see if it would pick up anything I came across. An older-sounding chap with a tremendous signal and a golden voice came on. You know the kind. He sounded like he should be in broadcasting business. He was telling whoever he was talking with something about a thousand marbles. I was intrigued and stopped to listen to what he had to say. Well, Tom, it sure sounds like you're busy with your job. I'm sure the pay will be well, but it's a shame you have to be away from home and your family so much. Hard to believe a young fellow should have to work 60 or 70 hours a week to make ends meet. Too bad you missed your daughter's dance recital. He continued, let me tell you something, Tom. Something that's helped, helped me keep a good perspective on my own priorities. And that's when he began to explain his theory of a thousand marbles. You see, I sat down one day and did a little arithmetic. The average person lives 75 years. I know, some live more, some live less. But on average, folks live about 75 years. Now then, I multiplied 75 times 52, and I came up with 3,900, which is the number of Saturdays that the average person has in their entire lifetime. Now stick with me, Tom. I'm getting to the important part. It took me until I was 55 years old to think about all this in any detail. He went on. And by that time, I had lived through over 2,800 Saturdays. I got to thinking, if I lived to be 75, I only had about 1,000 of them left to enjoy. So I went to the toy store and I bought every single marble they had. I ended up having to visit three toy stores to round up 1,000 marbles. I took them home and put them aside inside of a large, clear plastic container right here in the kitchen. Every Saturday since then, I have taken one marble out and thrown it away. I, find that, I found that by watching the marbles diminish, I focused more on the really important things in life. There is nothing like watching your time here on earth run out to help you get priorities straight. Now let me tell you one last thing before I sign off with you and take my lovely wife out for breakfast. This morning, I took the very last marble out of the container. container. 
I figure if I make it to next Saturday, then I have been given a little extra time. And the one thing we can all use is a little more time. It was nice to meet you, Tom. I hope you spend more, some more time with your family and hope to meet you again here on the band. This is 73 old man with, this is K9NZQ, clear and going out, QRT, good morning. You could have heard a pin drop on the band when this fellow signed off. I gave, I guess he gave us all a lot to think about. I was planning to work on the, I was planning to, I planned to work on the yard that morning and then I was going to clean the garage. Instead, I went upstairs and I woke up my wife with a kiss. Come on, honey. I'm going to take you and the kids to breakfast. What brought this on? She asked with a smile. Oh, nothing special. It's just been a long time since we spent a Saturday together with the kids. Hey, can we stop by a toy store while we're out? I need to buy some marbles. Your life is a gift. Your life is the gift God has given you. What you do with your life is the gift you give back to God. Don't lose your marbles in the mental sense. In this case, as your marbles diminish, don't lose track of it. They are going to diminish. They're going to go. Watch this video. These are roughly 28,835 jelly beans. I counted out 500 of them and used those to weigh the rest. In this pile, there's one jelly bean for each day that the average American will live. You might have more beans in your life or maybe less, but on average, this is the time we have. Here's a single bean. It's your very first day. A special day, but kind of a rough day on everyone involved. Add 364 more and you have the first year of your life. Now, for a sense of scale, here are your first 15 years, 5,475 days, which brings us to the threshold of adulthood. And at that moment, this is the time that we have left. And this is, on average, what we will do with all that time. We will be asleep for a total of 8,477 days. If we're lucky, some of that time we'll be sleeping next to someone we love. We will be in the process of eating, drinking, or preparing food for 1,635 days. We'll be at work, hopefully doing something satisfying, for the equivalent of 3,202 of those days. 1,099 days will be spent commuting or traveling from one place to another. Maybe a little bit more if you live in L.A. On average, we will watch television in one form or another for a total of 2,676 days. Household activities, like chores and tending to our pets and shopping, will take another 1,576 days. And we will care for the needs and well-being of others, our friends and family, for 564 days. We'll spend 671 days bathing, grooming, and doing all other bathroom-related activities. And another 720 days will go to community activities, like religious and civic duties, charities, and taking classes. After we remove all those beans, this is what remains. This is the time that we have left. Time for laughing, swimming, making art, going on hikes, text messages, reading, checking Facebook, playing softball, maybe even teaching yourself how to play the guitar. So what are you going to do with this time? How much of it do you think you've already used up? If you only had half of it, what would you do differently? What about half of that? How much time have you already spent worrying? instead of doing something that you love. What if you just had one more day? What are you going to do today?
One more day. What are you going to do with today? I want to ask you a question. A couple questions. Who are you? And what are you doing here? Great, great questions to ask yourself over and over and over and over. When it comes to work, it'll make your work production a lot better. Who am I? Well, I'm an employee. My boss really wants me to get a lot done, so I should get a lot done. Not time to, you know, focus on other things. Father, what are you doing here? What's really important? You don't have so many years to raise your kids and to be a part of that. And a few of those years are really influential and important. Here's our challenge for this week. Place reminders in your life that will help you remember who you are and what you're doing here. Throughout scriptures, God would, would help the people of Israel and, 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 and the people that followed him say, hey, there's, there has to be these reminders. You know what Sunday can be for us? A reminder. It's one of those things that we have as part of our, our routine, part of our, our habits, part of our, what we do, is to remind us, hey, this is really important. Don't miss it because life goes really quickly. What's this all about? Sunday's the first day of the week, right? It changed, kind of changed from, um, um, well, it didn't change. The first day of the week is we, we start it and we say, God, we put you first. We make you important. Make it a priority for my family, for, for me. And we begin to orient ourselves around that idea that God is God. And I'm not. And God has good plans, and he wants me to, to, to follow him in, in accomplishing that. In your life, what reminders can you put up? What, what stickers can you create? What, what posts can you put on your, on your mirror, on your Facebook, on whatever? Reminders you can send your phone to pray. If you're fasting and praying, man, keep doing it. What reminders there that can help your stomach growling when you fast as a great reminder of who you are, what you're doing here? That's my challenge this week. Put reminders in. Maybe get a calendar out. Maybe go buy some marbles and put them in a jar. 365 and throw one away every day and watch how your days are going. Or buy a jar of candy and you can eat it every day and say goodbye, day. <laughs> you tasted good. <laughs> you have it tastes good, you can eat it. If you had a good day, you eat it. It's like, I enjoy it. It's bad, you throw it away, you know. So, nah, whatever. You find out ways to just put reminders that you don't forget who you are and what are you doing here. Find somebody who can pay twice as much, two, twice as much as two denarii a week to go tell you every morning, who are you? What are you doing here? If you're here today, would you do me a favor? We're going to close the service off. Would you, would you um, close your eyes and would you bow your head? I want to give an opportunity for, um, for those that came. Maybe this is your first time in church. Maybe you church in a long time. But maybe your life has become oriented around something other than what God wants it to be. I find myself in that situation every now and then, and it happens. But you're here today. Maybe you're unoriented. You've never really known that God has a plan for your life. I want to lead you in an opportunity to, to, to start a relationship where you begin to say, God, I want your help to walk with you. I want your help to, to be able to, um, to, to know what you want to be important in my life. So the Bible says that when we confess our sins to God, that he's faithful to forgive us of all of our sins of all of our mistakes, of all of our past. When we confess our sins, when we believe in our heart that God sent His Son to die on that cross and that after He died, He rose again on that third day. When we believe those things, when we confess that something happens, that we're forgiven and that we're made a new person, if you're here today and you need that new start, I want to give you an opportunity to pray a prayer with me. It's a simple prayer of just acknowledging, God, I messed up, I need your help. Lead me. If that's you, would you do me a favor and just lift your hand? I won't call, ask you to come to the front. Just awesome. A few hands going up. It's great. Great way to start 2015 by saying, God, I want to make you the center and not just me. 
Awesome. Anybody else? Quite a few hands went up. Awesome. God, he sees your heart. He sees your hand. Like Abraham, he says, I want to bless you so you can be a blessing. I want to lead you so you can have a life that's successful. I don't want you to get sidetracked. If you raise your hand, I want to lead you in a prayer. Would you, would you just pray this prayer with me, just acknowledging that we need God's help? With the rest of us, would you join these that raise their hands in prayer and just uh, encourage them? Say, Father God, forgive me. Forgive my past. Forgive my mistakes. Forgive me for making it about me. Help me. I believe you died on that cross for me. I believe that you're alive today. I want your help. Would you lead me? From this day forward, I want to follow you. Help me become that new person. Help me to have new thoughts and a new outlook on life. I invite you to be God in my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.